When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. Today, we have with us the most special guest, so much that it's actually making me a little nervous. He is a friend, a real estate conglomerate, oil, baseball, food, supermarkets, media, and now an author, John Katsimatidis. You just wrote a book. Welcome to the show. Before we start, I want to ask you one question. So you wrote this book, How Far Do You Want to Go? I just finished it. It was a page turner. What motivated you to write a book? Well, you know, at one time I was, uh, I was thinking of running for mayor again. At one time I was thinking of running for governor. And, and, and even more special, I wanted my kids and my grandkids to know where I came from and what uh, life was all about the last 50, 60 years. And uh, this, a lot of it takes place in the 50s, the 60s, growing up in New York and being, having the ability to live in Harlem and to be able to break out of Harlem and from Harlem to what was the old expression? From Harlem to Fifth Avenue. And uh, uh, when I worked very hard for the Police Athletic League, and I, uh, I tell, you know what I tell the kids? I tell the kids, I made it. You can make it too. So as chairman now with the Police Athletic League, uh, and I worked for Bob Morgenthau, hired me in 1983, 1984, I look at those kids, and a lot of them need guidance, and a lot of them need uh, help, and um, we do that. So I finished the book, and as I said, it really was a page-turner. And what really struck me, and I couldn't get the answer out of this, I know I could understand what you're relating to about all the things that motivated you, but why a baseball team? Were you a Yankee fan? What made you buy a baseball team? I was team? a Yankee fan. My grandfather, when I was about six or seven years old, my mother's father, who came to America in 1913, and that's a whole story in itself. And I might write a book that's called, <laughs> that's a prequel <laughs> to this book. Uh, took me to my first Yankee game. Now, this kid from Harlem, goes to the Yankee Stadium, the third deck all the way up, you know, the nosebleed section. But my eyes were open. My mouth was open. How green that grass was. I couldn't, I've never seen grass so green in my life. And my uh, Mickey Mantle comes up, and I remember my grandfather's words. I like that guy, and, and I loved it. And I've been a Yankee fan. Uh, since 1955, when I was six years old, seven years old, and, and when the Yankees called me up and said and said that we want you to be our partner in Staten Island, who could say no to the Yankees? 
Well, that's really, that really brings it all together, right? Absolutely. So this is a, a real estate show, but these things are just so fascinating to me. And one of the things I've done a lot of, I know you several years, you have a fantastic reputation. So you're so well liked. I know you never forgot where you came from. In the Jewish religion, we would call you a mensch. That is a person of honesty and honor. And I really mean that, John. I've just, it's been such a pleasure. And you Suzanne, give you, you, Suzanne uh, if you look at my book, if, if, if I could tell you about my life, I had maybe a dozen mentors. I would say 10 of the 12 or nine of the 12 were Jewish. Wow. So if you take a look at your philanthropic ways, and what I've noticed most about my relationship and watching you over the years as a person, friend, business associate, you treat everybody the same, whether it's a stock boy or Jamie Dimon or Henry Kissinger. I mean, you really do have a knack to make everybody feel comfortable. Where does this come from? Who was your mentor? Who was my mentor? Well, let me tell you something. First of all, my parents grew me up. There's a Greek word that doesn't translate to English or Jewish. Philotimo. Philotimo means that you should respect who you are. You have to respect your family, where you came from, and never do anything that uh, you're ashamed of or anything that will bring shame on your family. And uh, that doesn't uh, go in every religion. And um, I, I'm proud that my parents taught me that. Um, what else? Uh, I believe, and I learned this through some of my mentors, that I make new friends every day. That was the reason, one of my reasons of my success. People, when, growing up in the 70s in business, all my vendors, all my, uh, I, I didn't have bank financing to build these stores. It was helped it was helped by my my people, my suppliers that I was doing business with. Let's help John. If he builds another store, guess what? We're going to do well too. So sure. I was financed by my vendors. There was no bank money. I didn't even know what a bank was in it those says days. everything. Don't forget, my son, my daughter went to Stern Business School where I was eight credits short at NYU. They they came out of the bull, bullpen ready to go. I came out of the bullpen, uh, you know, a, a, a not a dropout that I was eight credits short. How did you have the courage? Your parents were immigrants. America, the most important thing was education. How did you have the your courage to tell your parents, hey, I'm dropping out of school and I'm going to become a partner in a grocery store? Well, my mother cried, my father yelled, or vice versa. And you know what they said? We sent you to the university. You know, in old Greek, you know, language, and the way an old Jewish parent would tell that to yes. Education. We sent you for an education to the university, and you have become a Hamali. A Hamali was an old Greek Turkish word of a guy carrying crates on his back. Do you know that in, y in Yiddish, chamala, chamali is like a like an over, like not a nice looking person hunched over a chamali. Like yeah, carrying like, crates yeah, on his same, back. Same thing. You have to be close. hunched over. That's very funny. And um, it, it's and I but I kept working, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we built ten stores by the age of like 24, 25. and I was making a million dollars a year in those days when a million dollars was really a million dollars, and. Um, I just worked every day. I worked 70, 80, 90 hours a week 
just to, because failure was not an option. So if I had to pay bills, I worked even harder. And you know who the first person in New York City opened up on Sundays? I was. You know why I opened up on Sundays? There used to be a fine. It used to be uh, Sundays, retailers had to close. You had to be closed. Well, I gave out a lot of, lot of checks on Friday to pay the bills for the week. I had to open up Sunday to have enough money in the bank on Monday morning for those checks to clear. I love it. That's and I never, ever, ever bounced a check. And, and so my bankers were happy, even though I didn't have a, a borrowing relationship. They trusted me. They loved me. And my vendors were happy. They never got a bounce check for me. But I worked extra hard. The supermarket owners, the rest of them, they wanted to kill me. What do you mean we're going to open up seven days a week? And um, uh, that, that contributed to success. Well, here you are. So let's just switch to real estate for a moment because it is a real estate report and people want to hear about Well, this. that's how I got into real estate. When I, when I had 10 stores and I said, all of a sudden I woke up one day and said, oh, crap, the leases are coming due. Back and, by the building. And, and the landlords want double the rent or triple the rent. So 1977, when the world was coming to an end, an end. I mean, it was, you know, before you were born, uh, Suzanne, and, and, and I didn't know any better. You know, just to, don't, don't forget, I was a Hamali from 135th Street, and uh, I never took up finance. I said, if I don't own some of the real estate, no matter how good that store is, I'm going to lose it. Brilliant. So in 1977, and I, I'm trying to remember the, the first guy I did a, a deal with, I think it was Al Bialik. I remember that name. Yes. And he's still alive. And I bought a store on Grand Concourse in the Bronx, one of my stores. And I put about $5 million in 1977 into real estate from the supermarket business. And I remember an old mentor of mine that owned Bartolini Ice Cream Company, uh, Irving Rosenbaum. And he says to me, John, you're doing the right thing. And one of these days, you're going to wake up and you're going to be rich. Well, that $5 million I put into real estate in 1977, that was borrowed money from my own supermarket company. But nobody objected to it because I didn't have any banking, any banks. I just took the money. Unbelievable. And my vendors were happy, didn't care. So I took the money and it was $5 million put into real estate. And I woke up in 1980, 1981, and that $5 million was worth $100 million. <laughs> that is a so that is my everybody. real That's estate story. That's the American story. dream. That is my real estate I story. I love that. I don't think many people know that. So with that- I got another good real estate story since we're talking real estate. Tell me, tell me. Well, it was, you know, I owned, I, I started a corporate jet company that ended up becoming NetJets. I, XO. I bought a, uh, I, I started a, an airline. I took over an airline. And all of a sudden, when I, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for, for a year and a half running the airline. And when I came back to New York, I was depressed. I had to buy some companies because I was running a worldwide business, the whole world. And now I'm running a couple of stores in New York, like 30 stores at the time. My God, I was depressed. So, But I had credit lines. 
because I had $100 million worth of real estate. Bankers Trust was my big line at that time. Well, within, within a year, I bought Pantry Pride from Ron Perlman. It was like 47 or 57 stores in, in Florida. And we did the deal so fast, they forgot that like there was 37 pieces of shopping centers involved too. And we bought that from Ron Perlman. We bought Gristini's from the Southland Company. We bought, uh, what else? Oh, we ended up buying the oil company in bankruptcy court because when the guy we sold the airline to went to bankruptcy court, it was the same trustee. So I ended up buying the oil company. So I bought the oil company, Pantry Pride, and, uh, and Gristini's. And it happens on Pantry Pride, we had... Along with the deal, there was like 37, 35, I don't remember the number, of shopping centers in Florida. South Beach, you know that word, South Beach? South Beach, Las Salas Boulevard, all the great areas. Well, when I sold it, I sold the real estate for twice as much as I bought or three times or four times, that I bought the supermarket business. So I separated the supermarket business and the operating super, the, the, the real estate business, and I went deeper into real estate. When we bought our oil company, our United Refining, there was uh, like almost 400 locations, and a lot of the real estate they owned. So again, I separated the real estate. From operations. So in life, the way I made so much money in real estate, I separated operating companies and the real estate companies. I also think that you're not adverse to risk, and I think you're a little bit of a deal junkie. Well, I learned that from another Jewish mentor. <laughs> Tell us. Arthur Cohen. Oh, my, I only, know so well, Corvettes. The only Jew, no, the only Jew, Arthur, uh, the only Jew uh, on the Citibank board. And he was on my board when I was chairman of uh, First New York Bank. And he was a mentor. And I learned a lot from him. You cannot go to, to lunch with Arthur Cohen without making at least one deal. Do you know he was my mentor, so if, too? Who, who's that? Arthur Cohen. Arthur, he, he was a good guy. Yes. I miss him. He was a good guy. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Corvettes. You know what Corvettes stands for? No. Uh, it was eight Jewish war veterans. It's, it's, it's real. Eight Jewish war veterans uh, from uh, Korea. It's amazing, the circles. So what made you pick these key locations? Look what you did in, in downtown Brooklyn and Coney Island. You picked these locations. Was this an accident? Was it also, I mean, you built, I you really bought, did. I bought the place in uh, Myrtle Avenue in Fleetwood. I bought it from Long Island University uh, many years ago. It was such a tough neighborhood. To collect the rent, you had to go there with two guns in case the first gun ran out of bullets. Uh, it was that tough of a neighborhood. And it was these gangs running the area. And I bought it for a million dollars. A million dollars? Yes. And it ended up being appraised for $200 million. And that's where we spent a billion dollars. Where did you get the insight to do that? Uh, I guess I had courage. I knew it was a good deal. And I just wrote the check. Because... Uh, you know, I, money never meant anything to me. It still doesn't mean anything to me. To me, it's just a, a game. And I got to commend one of, another guy that I looked up to, Carl uh, Icahn. And uh, sometimes you just write a check. 
Well, you're such an inspiration, John. Really, I have to tell you. Tell me about Florida. You're building the tallest tower in St. Petersburg. Why? What's that? Tell it's us time what. to move. I love New York. I want New York to survive. I will work my tail off to make sure New York survives. But the, the joke I say, do I spend the next billion in New York or do I spend the next billion in Florida? And it's time. You know, I had big investments in Florida with Pantry Pride with 35 or 37 shopping centers. And we sold it all in 1992, 93, 30 years ago. But it's time to go back to Florida. Uh, Florida... People are moving to Florida. They're moving to, to Texas. They're moving to uh, Tennessee, where I lived for a year and a half. They're moving North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, even pe- 484,000 people have moved from New York down to, well, not necessarily Florida, moved out of New York in the last 24 months. High income earners. High income earners. So, you know, like Tom DiNapoli was on my show, uh, the controller of the state of New York. He's okay with the budget this year, but he says, I don't know who's going to pay uh, the uh, the budget uh, year two, three, and four because people are moving out. So, John, how, do and, we, how are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix it? Well, I, I pray that uh, Governor Hochul puts her foot down and... Um, uh, and I pray for her, and she's a tough Irish gal. And uh, the the socialists that uh, are not really socialists, but they're playing the game. Um, common sense Democrats don't have the, the, the should I say testicles? Don't have the testicles to stand up against the socialists, and they got to stand up and say enough is enough. We want America the way we grew up. And not the way you want to change it. Beware. Look what happened to Venezuela, the wealthiest country in South America. In 20 years, it went from the wealthiest country in South America to a vast wasteland. And who did it? The socialists. Uh, Criminals. The Castro-type socialists that went from, from Cuba to Venezuela. The criminals. They stole all the money. Do you see that and happening here? The definition here? of socialists, they steal the money for themselves and they, and they make believe we're for the people. Look what happened in Washington. They, the price of oil ever since President Biden went, uh, went to uh, office went from 55 to 120. So what happened? The price of gasoline, the price of uh, food went way up. And who got hurt? It was the poor people. It was the middle class. It wasn't the rich that got hurt. We don't give a damn. It was the poor and the middle class that Joe Biden uh, promised to help, and he was hurting them the most because of, a, of, a, of prices going up and the rate they were going up. So you're really down on New York right now. Is there anything we I'm can do? I'm not down in New York. I wanna, I'm here. I'm standing firm. I want to help New York. We got to keep. But I'm people. not spending another billion so far. So we got to keep people. I hope everybody's listening. I hope if we people all are leave, listening. if we all leave, don't forget. There's another thing. If the consumers are all leaving, the millionaires are all leaving, the middle high middle class is leaving, and now I understand there's some, some attorney generals that want to go against businesses. So then we have the businesses leaving. You know, on I'll give you an example. Businesses say, "Oh, you're charging too much for gasoline." Well. If the price of gas, the crude oil is a hundred dollars a barrel, you know, President Biden says you should charge the same. 
I mean, you have to be really dumb to say that. If if it's costing $100 a barrel, my employees will be out of a job if I charge the same and went out of business within a, a month or two. Exactly. I mean, give me a break. You, 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 should, you know, price of eggs goes up. What do you mean? You should charge the same for eggs. Well, blame it on the farmers. Well, some of these attorney generals are saying, uh, you know, oh, my God, you, you shouldn't raise the price of eggs. What do you mean? The, the, uh, 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 hundreds of millions of chickens died because of the flu, and they went up. You want me to charge the same price of eggs? I'll go broke. And you see what's going on with this subsidized housing, and they want to take it away from the local authorities, and Hochul wants to decide where to build this, and the police officers leaving. So what, what about that? The police officers are leaving because nobody feel that nobody's watching their back, and that's important. They should be paid the most. Well, we should take care of it, make sure. When I was running for mayor in 2013, you know what I said? Let's have subsidized housing for firemen and police officers. If you lived on the 10th floor of a building, wouldn't you rather have police officers on the 8th floor and 12th floor? Yes. So what's it going to take to get you to run for politics again, John? I don't know. I always tell people uh, that uh, I'm in for one more run. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, but it's nice to say it. Well, I would definitely support you, and I'll be rolling up my sleeves and getting votes. So, Well, thank I, you. Make I, sure you buy my book, though. I have five copies. No, if, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, you know what I tell friends? He says to me, I promise people, read my book. You're going to make a billion dollars. I made it a requirement for everybody at my company. Okay, Everybody's that's read wonderful, it's, it's because if you read it twice, you make two billion. <laughs> well, thank you, John, really. Thank you for everything you do, and continue doing what you do. Well, God bless you. Work hard. You did a great job for us during the COVID when we uh, uh, had a lot of vacancies on Myrtle Avenue in Brooklyn. And uh, thank you for what you do. And, and you are one tough woman. And you know I appreciate tough women. Thank you, John. Bye. Bye-bye. Dear listeners, Thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.